Hi there. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Lean Into Artcast, the show where a couple of visual storytellers get together, take on various topics that tend to cross one's path when you go on this endeavor of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff so that you might as well. My name is Jersey Drozd. I am a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is... Hey, Jersey. I am Rob Stenzinger. I am a user experience designer, and I also make interactive things, and I, I teach and coach about that stuff, too. Which is at... Uh robcoach.me which we'll talk about more in the second second half of the show um 305 is that really where we're at now <laughs> I, every number is uh, is surprising after 300 <laughs> that's I don't know gonna why be. it works that way the top of every episode from now is just gonna be us go wow uh but uh, you know i don't know if i've done 300 of anything well I've drawn like over 300 comics pages, I'm sure, but I haven't actually sat down and counted. But oh, you haven't? It's it's uh that's a fun exercise. Like the, like that's a journal exercise worth um because even if you're estimating, it's an interesting thing to just look back and face your the the trail you left behind of all mm. the stuff you made. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I, I think at some point in our conversations, I would bring up a, like, oh, I'm I'm closing in on 700 podcasts or whatever. Um, because I, adding up across the different, um, with the different shows, I mean, it adds up. I can't even imagine you, you, you have to be at way over a thousand close to 2000 at this point. That That's but, a really, that's a, that's a decent question. I have no idea. Which, wow. yeah, just looking at those numbers, it's like, oh, hmm, how do I feel about that? And, you know, um, where, uh, like, I don't know how did that investment go and where might it go next and all that stuff. And, and, and it's also just interesting that it, the stuff adds up, right? I mean, yeah, you have probably just thousands of comic pages you've done too. So it's, it's funny you bring this up. This actually leads me to a little bit of a newsy thing that I wanted to do at the top of the show that I, I nice. completely forgot about until you brought this up. Cause I, because I just did a talk last week for the Ohio arts council. Um, is that not going to work? Oh, I had a whole bunch of pages pulled up in Chrome, and Chrome's not working when I uh, pull up the demo. Let me mm-hmm. put this into Chrome instead of into Chromium Edge. Um, so, yeah, I, I mentioned this in episode 304 um, that I was doing a presentation, a webinar on uh, creating classroom documentation, which is just a, a fancy way of saying, how do you collect the evidence and the trail of competence you left behind and formalize that information so that when you go to reach out to a uh, partner organization or hosting institution, um, you can build trust more quickly. Uh, in other words, wow. Oh, I'm in the wrong app here. Okay. Well, Chrome is not working for me today. Um, that's gonna be interesting. I'm not gonna be able to pull up our visual examples as easily. I don't know. I should have tested that before we started. Um, anyway, uh, you could. I will link to it in the show notes. But the, they they posted the Ohio Arts Council posted the video on their YouTube channel. So documenting your classroom experience is up there. It's an hour webinar, and I walk through, like I I go through the anatomy of what a lesson plan looks like. Something that you would present to, like a lesson plan or a artist vision statement or some kind of like um like a, if you're going to do a presentation or a workshop for an institution, like just defining like what's going to happen there. And then the, the middle part of the webinar is going through a thinking exercise where I give prompts to say like, okay, you've probably either created something or taught something. What happened in those, uh, let's unpack those experiences and then we could take those experiences and map them onto the anatomy of a lesson plan or w- workshop presentation form. 
So um, the goal of it was to get like get somebody started to be able to start writing their own documentation to, you know, be able to propose make proposals to conventions, art centers, in, uh, learning institutions, university schools, libraries, etc. So, but yeah, that's uh, very timely. I mean, and this is I mean our episode three hundred and four. We we went through this uh, sort of a, a version of, of that or some of the thoughts that you were bringing into the, into mm-hmm. the workshop. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, that that's great. It's out there and live. I was able to find it on YouTube, but then I was thinking, am I set up to do the sharing? Okay. And I'm not sure as I look into this, like I don't even wander off into, I got it out of places in YouTube. Right. But like my right column is, banana pants to be honest <laughs> um yeah yeah I've, I've got it pulled up on screen right now so i actually i got chrome working again so you could see it at the bottom oh, cool. of the screen uh under uploads documenting your classroom experience again i'll link to it in the in the show notes but um anyway uh but what are we doing this week we every week we show up and pick a single topic and try to drill down on it as hard, as as far as we can um, as thoughtfully as we can and, and uh, as uh, non-prescriptively as we can, right? Um, <laughs> what do we got? It's a funny gig we have, isn't it? It's like we're trying to, to sort of share our experience in a way that others could reconstruct their own experience. It's, it's a kind of teaching, but it's not guruism. And, but we believe in what we do and we want people to figure it out for themselves and etc. <laughs> It's so funny, but you know we're 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 quirky like that, and so here we are. We we had a, a you know a meeting last week. We we did a rebroadcast, I believe, um, and uh, uh, but we still did some did some planning and work. And thinking about the topic, uh, something came up about you know chunking workflow and how uh, this has been a top a, a thing on my mind again as I've been like sort of working through this combination of, of, of um, well, I'm, I'm coding on a game project and wearing a variety of hats for that, but uh, I'm doing a lot of writing and uh, some illustration too of articles that are also related to some talks I have coming up and also workshops. So there's a lot of development, especially in the area of writing that I've been doing. And I think about just sort of dividing the work up in useful ways and chunking the process to make sure I, I don't get lost and all that stuff. And somehow in that conversation, uh, it was like you, you see Jersey, you, you were like, yeah, okay. Like that sounds, that sounds like a good topic. And I was like, that's great. And then we hung up and I went away. I'm like, wait, what's the topic? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I did this a little bit of journaling and I, and I think this is, it is a lot related to chunking workflow and also even the, like how we look at our work, like the mental model specifically. Um, what do you think before we jump in? That sounds great to me. Yeah. Like, so sort of returning to this idea of chunking your workflow, which we covered in like episode 140 something or other like ages ago. Uh, But that was really using comics as a case in point. I like this idea of backing up, looking at some other examples of like this kind of chunking and how the mental model that we use to make sense of uh, what's the other word for this? Um, 
you could call it uh, your metaphor. Well, yeah, and and well, also like I guess it like relates a little bit to epistemology, like like the the science of how we know what we know. If you want to back up another step back, right? Oh, but, sure, metacognition and all yeah. That stuff. But like like a little stepping back a little bit like to like evaluate like well how how are we what is our mental model of how we understand things and how does that in uh, inform how we chunk right so I think I think it's gonna be a more subtle and nuanced sort of look at this idea of like chunking your workflow rather it will it will definitely not be prescriptive <laughs> so um, with that <laughs> with that how about I just go ahead and hit some whoa I hit the I hit oh, a button go. I didn't do this one. That's from when, way way back when Zach was on the show. <laughs> so the music indicates we are now in the first part of the show. So uh, Rob, I am super interested in looking at your uh, what you've been thinking about with all the writing you've been doing lately. Um, and I and I will say uh, I have a. a, a, a selfish stake in this in that i'm doing a lot of writing right now uh for to develop another pitch a lot of writing it's like an hour a day that's all i'm giving myself to do it but it's like it's like a very focused and intentional like okay an hour that's type 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 and uh i'm hitting some highs and lows with it and so i I, i'm very curious about to hear your experience with this and how you think about this to help me come back to it with a little bit of a fresher start so um well yeah there's something about the that that progression and it's like um i think in the second half we'll talk about like ways where we can label the progression and sort of map ourselves out of this when we, we're, we're getting stuck but like i was feeling the stuckness right mm-hmm. recently and you know off and on and actually with with each of these um so i've got this overall strategy like if i if i work on articles that are feeding and nourishing a, a series of of you know thoughts and unpacking experiences and getting useful chunks of that for workshops and talks and stuff coming up. Right. It seems easy peasy. Right. And I feel a version of this, this challenge when it comes to a workshop. But what's funny is like, if you work on a section of a workshop, you're not publishing it. Right. Um, Anytime I'm dealing with publishing is certain extra pressure or whatever that, that, that uh, now this is the share. This is the. This is a product. It's going to feed into other products, but it's also a product. And all of a sudden, I'm hitting these. Um, I don't know the the pit, the hills and valleys of the of the experience. Mm-hmm. And um, so, right when I was about to, um, I was at the later phase of my um, of a recent article I'm working on, and it's it, it's an article about um, connecting how. When I when I look back, I, I promise it's more useful than this long-winded expression. But the idea, like, I, it's connecting seven habits of highly effective people and user experience design, and how both have this human-centeredness. Both are systemic in thinking, and and there's a lot of interesting connections. And I happen to have uh, had a lot of experience with that book in sort of my early twenties, and uh, and it was really formative for me. And I didn't, I just thought about it again recently. And all of a sudden, all right, here I am writing about it. I'm like, yep, this is my next article. And I get toward that later stage. Um, and it's just, it's tough. And so I, I what do you, th- what do you think about this? The, where, where as a way, so sometimes I write to get unstuck from writing, right? Mm-hmm. And I will, 
try to watch myself because I could go off and, and I, can, I can play in the land of generating ideas near infinitely. <laughs> it's just the quirk I have. I love that space. And I'm like, what's, and which is related to this, where I'm like, what's my deal? I can get unstuck or I could use that to stay stuck. So here I am. I, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to turn this into something constructive. So I made a tweet thread out of it and I shared that. And mm, I was going to pull up that tweet thread. So do you want, do you want to go through it uh, line by line while uh, I pull it up on screen? Sure. Do you want, and feel free to react along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I constructed this and I shared it as a thread. And I say, I said, uh, wait, making things is easy and making things is tough. So here I am trying to turn this into a pattern of a little bit of poetic, whatever, recurring themes. And that's the, that's the start of it, that pattern. In the progression from idea to finished enough thing, every stage seems to contain an essential challenge. Related to that, I should be writing an article and my brain gave me this thread instead. <laughs> so there's a there is the this is related to the topic of mental models like somehow there's this story of like a thing that uh we're making doesn't exist and we go through some experience and we bring it into existence and so you go through from at least some kind of starting some kind of middle some kind of end right and Mm -hmm. so that's what i'm trying to get at with each of these uh thoughts so first starting is easy starting well is tough Mm mm-hmm and every one of these you can pick it and explore and dig into. And they're purposefully trying to be, you know, flavorfully poetic or whatever, but who knows. Continuing for a while is easy. Continuing with focus and credibility is tough. Mm. Walking with, away. Yeah, go ahead. With, well, with the focus, yes, get that. wonder if you could elaborate on credibility. Credibility to whom? Uh, for yourself and your audience. It's so like imbuing your work with that, that extra thinking where you're not just throwing suppositions into the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I get, um, there are some books that I like, but I don't uh, feel as enth- enthusiastic about where I feel like I'm doing the work of filtering and trying to find the, the, the more reliable information within the cruft of authors just saying stuff. And I get that. The creative process, there's a lot of people who say stuff. But then you can say stuff that has connections to other um, tested ideas, right? Mm. And so I think like that's when you can bring a signal of credibility, not just rationalizing your thought with evidence that you went and backtracked and found, but maybe sometimes where, where you, you went and questioned your own thought enough to think about, well, here I expressed it clearly. So you can verify it yourself. You can verify the credibility in my work by just go ahead and analyze it, pick it apart. And also consider these other sources. Here's, here's, here's um, my attempt at triangulating my own work. Got it. Providing yeah. a foothold for you to, to, to do that kind of, um, if you care to, consuming it with that kind of... Um, investigative lens right got it so credibility stands for uh carefully thought through ideas that have been tested through additional thinking and or research and um testing by you know employing it in a variety of settings with other people so to get some feedback on it so it's 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 at least yes it's a tested idea at least 
Yep. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, no. Sorry. Um, tested. And I, I'm, 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 I'm uh, jumping on your words because I'm realizing the other thing I left out is transparent, right? So if, if, I'm, if I have a supposition and I'm just throwing this in the world, let that be clear. Got it. Okay. And um, yeah. Okay. That, that, that clarifies it for me. Thank you. So then the next one is. Okay. Um, wow. Spam calls. <laughs> um, and unstoppable spam calls. <laughs> we're 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 going to be in a period this year where I think that's going to be happening to a lot of us a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, it's anyway, it's it's yeah. the it's my my Google Hangouts number, which is the more easily found number mm. I use and harder to mute evidently. So, anyway, sorry about that. Uh walking away when it all makes sense is easy. Walking further to make it better is tough. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And that this is one of my key weaknesses. So walking away when it all makes sense to me is having thought through the problem enough to really have a a, a good idea of, of a way of solving it. Mm. And and uh, once that's conceived enough and makes sense, phew, that <laughs> feels good. Yeah. And then, but you know, make actually making that into something useful for others is is hard. And uh, or t- are more difficult. Um, calling it done is easy, and knowing when to call it done is tough. Mm-hmm. So there's this easy tough pattern in this mm-hmm. this whole little mini prose ex- um, exercise. Putting a project into the world is easy. Representing it while being present to connect with others is tough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I made a thing. Look at my thing. You know, and that's, 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 that part is relatively easy, relatively. But then, yes, mm-hmm. being able to advocate for it and advocate for it in a way that is uh, compassionate, thoughtful, and attentive to the people who, who are connecting with it, that part is, that's the part that makes you sweat. Yeah. And it's crucial. And it's, 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 the, it's the hard work after the hard work, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like if you did the work to get the thing done to be, um, this you know the, a work you, that you believe in sharing with the world just throwing it on the pile doesn't help anybody mm-hmm. you have to actually be there and do stuff with the work to help people connect with the work and I really appreciate and, and understand that now and um, am, you know I'm basically reminding myself and this is all reflecting my own creative weaknesses and quirks for the most part mm-hmm. um, I did not do research to create this list other than just try a lot of stuff for a few decades um so let's see uh putting project uh, getting distracted with other things is easy walking away when you have learned enough is tough mm. so yeah i mean i have an i have an attractive nuisance list of projects where i can just wander into it and be like hey let's get into that you know you know what's really fun early stage creative work play 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 <laughs> Let's play all day in this conceptual mm-hmm. land, unfinished things. Yeah. And I get stuck there. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, walking away. And, and so some projects, it's kind of like, well, even, even like, uh, I, th- I can think of my webcomic. I can think of some certain game projects and whatnot. And it's just hey. like, when do you stop? Yeah, and I would I would I would amend this if I were if I were your editor, I would say walking away when you have learned enough to start 
is tough or learned enough to move on mm. is tough because that, that there's a securitous nature to that right it's like like at least the, uh, let me okay i'll talk about my personal quirks is that i find the only way i can get started is if i go okay i've got enough built here to get going like i got a concept i've got a direction i got an approach and maybe it even feels like I've learned enough. Maybe it feels like I've got everything I need. And then I get about a third of the way through. I'm like, oh, I haven't thought this through as clearly as I have. But I can stop. I can step back, go back to like doing more conceptual exploration or research, and then come right back where I left off and you know either knit together or improve upon or build build upon what I've already had. Case in point, the Baron von Bear pitch I did last year, where we had that coaching session on the show, and you led me to realize, oh. I'm at a point, the reason this is feeling frustrating right now is because I am at a point where I have to go back and learn a little bit more before I can progress on. Does that make sense? Mm. It does. It does. Yeah, there could be other reasons why you're feeling stuck. Yeah. And it's not just that this certain stage is inherently, it's like there, there's, a, there's a missing piece and mm-hmm. going and, and doing the work, bring that into, you know, mm-hmm. That that's uh, it's like trying to make a decision without enough research. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you can easily end up in that 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 situation where all of a sudden you maybe you have designers or uh, you know engineers, product managers, or whoever is on your team, uh, or even yourself, just spinning your wheels trying to make a decision without the without the criteria that would actually make it far easier to mm-hmm. you know clarify what is a good decision here. I really love that word enough, though, because like I, I feel like when we get into the second half and start talking about some like actual chunking, um, that's what it's all about is like doing just enough to keep the momentum going and not waiting until it's all fully formed. Right. Like anyway. Well, and I love that your example of 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 um, in a way. So the, somehow the, the the I'm glad that that coaching session helped, but it's it's uh, I think it's an example of how you can. Um, trusting that finding that um, finding a way forward through the, through the creative work, even when you, when you're stuck, it's, there's, there's a way there, there's a way and there's, there's a tool and there's, and like, that's where the mental models I think help, right. Where, um, you know, making sense of it, where you can feel like this, this, what the project has become. It's just this now where I know it's not what it needs to be, but what do I do here? And if you have a way to, you know, even proceed in when it, when it doesn't feel great, uh, feeling that eventually it will feel great because of the, the, the process as your back, your, um, your, your tools and approach will help get you through. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. Overdoing and struggling is easy, even though it feels Finding just enough confidence, insight, action, resources, creative results is tough, even though when it does happen, it feels easy. Yeah. I don't know. That was me playing with the formula there. And, and, but, and just, and I don't know, maybe delaying on other work. Um, and I had this wrap-up thought. Looking at the this list of, of easy, tough things, I admire the qualities of the tough list, yet the easy list is giving me ideas. And here's where I realized that the easy is also useful. Uh, that you can, um, 
you can get traction through. It's not like I, I, I just listed on like good and bad. Like this is, you know, it's not so simple. So, cause the, you know, creative process, if you're, um, getting something down, filling a blank page, uh, doing something that's easy is good. It's great. And using the easy to get tough is it's, it's, a they're all tools to, mm-hmm. to just get you through making the thing. Um, hmm. so I, uh, yeah. And I think I needed that to help remind me and that, that it's just, it's okay. That it was, Cause I was near the, I was near the final draft stage of my, my recent article. Right. And, um, and this didn't have as hard of a creative cycle as, as last month's last month's the one about, um, assumptions. I might even had a couple of side comments because I had so much built up energy about it. <clears throat> but the, the assumptions article, I wrote like at least four to 5,000 words before I found even the beginning of the, the next, the, the right, like next 1500 words that, that it needed to be. Wow. And I was just where I was like, do I even, am I, am I, I'm just feel like I'm just uh, making weird noise, fart noises in the corner or something. You know, like I, <laughs> I started out cause, cause I ran this and like both articles went through a similar process. This, um, this, uh, my, my kind of article writing process that's, um, uh, I decided like of all my ideas and thing, I've, they've like the ones that float to the top have to have certain criteria to stand out and, and be at the top of the list and I play with the ones at the top of the list. And one of them takes off. Right. And I thought, you know, and, and, and as I'm, um, you know, again, I'm very happy and content in that those early phases. And I feel almost like invincible, honestly, it creatively invincible. I can, I can conceptualize whatever. And I know that's not true. I have plenty of flaws and mistakes I make and all that stuff, but I feel that way mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. those early phases. And I feel super not, uh, I feel highly uh, extinguishable. So I'm reminded a little bit, and maybe just because I've been listening to this audiobook, I just started listening to, after all these years of you recommending this book to me, Natalie Goldberg's Writing Down the Bones. And um, the audiobook is, I, I texted you, I'm like, I'm only an hour and a half in, and it's amazing. Um, and one of the things that she did that hit me just in the right spot that I think speaks to a little bit of what you're talking about, is she talks, she describes this thing called first thoughts. Do you remember this? And f- first thoughts are in her, by her description, are things that are unencumbered by all of the additional context and categorizations that we put on through our life experience, right? And first thoughts are things that happen when you meditate. So she compares writing to meditation a lot. And in meditation, as you and I both know, and anybody who's done it a lot, is that the, 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 the idea isn't to quiet the mind so that there's no thought. It's so that you still the mind so that when thoughts happen, they just fly by and you don't hang on to them too much. 
or hopefully at all, right? Like just let them happen. Oh, I feel angry. I feel uncomfortable. I've got an itch. You know, what am I going to do about my taxes? What, you know, is, is, is my mother mad at me? All these things happen in your head all the time, but like you're stilling yourself so that it just flows over you. And she's like, well, when you're writing from first thoughts, you're just letting the writing flow out of you and you're just capturing it all and you're not trying to create uh, context and in, in, in importance until way later. Right. And like that stage, that, that stage of like just generating can feel really, really good until it comes time to like, okay, well, what do I have in front of me? You know, like what's, what's, what, what meaning did I, did I, uh, hopefully create on the page? Right. So yeah, that's tough. Oh gosh. Well, and I, and so I think, well, Hey, guess what? I have a, um, I've got some criteria that to filter this out. So, okay. Theoretically, I'm dealing with some really um, uh, the stronger ideas of all that, like letting the ideas flow out and and whatnot. Um, I forgot about that phrase, first thoughts, but um, I and, and I totally I need to. She's very back. careful to, to point out that first thoughts don't come easy, right? Because like when you're first, like you know, sort of doing like like just uh, what would I call it? purposeless writing or write like writing exercises just to get thoughts just to put thoughts on paper without any agenda just like when you first meditate you keep getting caught on all these thoughts right like they catch you and you find you find yourself like just chewing on them for a long time they're like ah wait 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 let it go let it go right and until you're really really practiced and you just let them flow by so it's the same same thing she says with writing where it's like yeah just to generate a lot of stuff and yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get hooked on these things and it's going to feel like you're just generating ideas, but you're still like sort of like winding yourself around certain concepts over and over again. And so you do these writing exercises to unwind yourself so that the first thoughts can come through as she describes it. It's it's I'm about halfway through and I'm loving this book. So anyway, um, so, yeah, so I'm excited to reread it now that you mention it. I, it's yes. Um, are you, I was, I was curious to, or hoping to share this criteria quick. Yes, please. And be, yeah, just as, because, um, feeling uh i do th feel that this is useful i'm not just saying this to like sort of wallow and you know grump about the the challenges challenging I, I think finding your own criteria is important right um but for me when things are sort of i are getting caught in my list in my net that are, of the things i want to to work on the ones that float to the top have these qualities um <laughs> this is a funny one it's a troublemaking one it's one of my it's the first one it's am i feeling it do I, is it, in my voice, do I have something to say about this? Because I, I could easily essentially be trying to do a cover band version of someone else that inspired me or whatever. It's like, do I really have the thing to say about this? And that's a filter. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yes. I, I just think of an example of like when the difference between when I worked a day job and when I became a advocate and started working with nonprofit organizations. And when I was working a day job, if a customer would ask me a question and like, you know, is, is the mayonnaise over there or over there? I'd be like, sure, why not? You know, like it was like I was so disengaged from what was what was what was being asked of me in the moment. Whereas like now, like when working with like Kids Read Comics or CXC, it's like this matters and I'm going to be extremely careful all the time and how I engage with it, right? Because it, there, there's this is speaking to me. This is something in my voice. This is something that has resonance and meaning and purpose to me. That's so I'm just using that as a, like a concrete example to just to reinforce what you're saying there. So no, that's yeah, I, I like that example. It's the um, 
yeah it and so that you're reminding me too is like this criteria this is criteria for sort of the um the the most professional writing not just the general practice stuff i'm also you know working on just getting unstuck with blogging just general whatever are things that that can that can come out and i'll share more frequently and whatnot i'm working on that might Mm -hmm. make that a goal for march we'll see but um uh, but yeah, so like the, the, does this really serve something that I care about? That's, that's awesome. And then, then it's like, well, do I have an explanation why I think it's useful just because I have feelings on this and I want to say something do I, am, if I get out of my own head, yeah. you know, what do I, you know, can I, th- can I describe why this is useful? Yeah. Um, have I talked about this already? Do I have some draft thoughts? Chances I love are this. I might have podcasted about this. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, to go through your your trail of competence and see if there's any like beginnings or um, other interpretations on this thought that you can mine from your own history. That's great. And it's just a, it's a dialogue, right? So like mm-hmm. I can look at something I, I I did, and I don't just have to like just copy and paste. I can just react to it and yeah. uh, hopefully be more ready because I can build off of something and have a dialogue with even if it's with myself. Yeah, past self. Um. So. Okay, what other signals am I getting real signals from the audience? It's not just hypothetical. Has someone asked me about this at some point? Um, there are things like so if like working with with folks in um, doing design workshops, and when someone comes to me specifically about a hey, how do you approach the um, you know like framing the space visually? to get through so many different uh, topics when you do a user journey map or something like that. And I'm like, you know, examples of stuff people have asked me. It's almost like, what is the world asking of me? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then of course, do I have sources and evidence and experience to, for this? Um, some of these are a little maybe, maybe redundant feeling, but I could have one of, I could, you know, who knows this criteria is living. So, but, but this means that, um, you know, uh, this helps that credibility signal quite a bit of, uh, like, Oh yeah, I know about three different books I read and this blog article. And, you know, I tried this one time, whatever. Um, and also does this, does producing this work feed into other work? Obviously. Right. Right. Or am I starting yet another, you know, thread of thought. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Not everything has to be met here, but it's worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, it's good for this article. If, um, if, if I can use it somewhere and build off of it, um, how, and then here's the, just a rough estimate about the effort I think it will take for this. If for me to do this well, mm. because yeah, I can, I can early creative phase it probably in an hour doesn't mean it'll be good right right um to do it well is this going to be easy medium or difficult why Mm -hmm. it might be like oh this is going to require a bunch of illustration or just things that i um i'm going to have to do a lot of journaling to find the the narrative here or whatever right Uh oh this is this is going to be a tough one there you go. That's the criteria. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. So, like, yeah, it's. It, I wouldn't call this chunking in terms of um, a, a laundry list to meet. This is more like a rubric. A rubric is a sort of like a matrix of thought of like, okay, let's just see if we get hot signals in three or four more three or four quadrants on this, then it's probably something worth pursuing. It's a gateway. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's like in to to get to the next stage or the chunk of work, you know, mm-hmm. you you shall not pass unless you have you get through some of this here at least. Yeah. That's great. So, that's my creative process Gandalf. <laughs> and it's not as simple as speak friend and enter. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. So, um yeah, so I don't know what do you what do you what are your thoughts here on this? Um um, well, so I'm just curious what happens next after you've like done this like preliminary uh, sort of concept development phase and then you've gone through your rubric and it's like, okay, it's it's ticking a lot of switches or a lot of lights are going off. What's next? So then the the next the, the next chunk is to um, and we're talking about writing an article do, specifically do the writing. Yeah, do the writing. So it's it's a uh, um, rough draft. Let words come out. This is the topic, and then I start. I start actually. I, I start with details that answer those those the filter questions, right? Um, and then explore from there. I'll start to describe a time that I, you know, when I encountered this topic, I will like for instance, um, the. Uh, let's see the article about assumptions i gosh i wrote again i wrote so many times and and it's because i was i was doing that hunting of like where is this i i i don't know how it passed the gauntlet because i still didn't have enough clarity but like i really believed in the in the idea and i still and i'm proud of the article that that i that i made from it but like the um that exploration of Okay, how have I? What I encounter assumptions in meetings. I've encountered encountered assumptions in uh, the collaborative process to design products. I encountered assumptions like so. Where where has this come up and start to you know describe those things and whatnot? And then eventually, I realized that that the uh, like getting. And more exposure to my own thinking of assumptions, I was like, oh, well, that's one of my favorite things about assumptions is humor. And just sort of the surprise and juxtaposition of, of one idea and the and something hidden about it that is actually the real thing. And you reveal that and and, and it's it's joyful and fun if you know if you're doing this in in the in a joke context. Right. Well, you have like a one panel gag and, cartoon at the top of the article too, which I have on screen. um and it and and the other thing is about assumptions is like i really like the idea of how it's like there's this the freedom that can come from like don't repress it they're we're all doing it anyway use that to propel the creative effort use that to get through the conceptual space and dig deeper right this is this is fantastic because you you don't have to be stuck anywhere because you're already doing this uh, this work that it just a lot of times we acknowledge it and hide it and maybe feel bad about it right i um but so anyway then then i'm like wow there's something so i found the utility and then i kept so i kept writing but 
but for that one, it took a lot of, um, a lot of words. And for the, um, the seven habits, um, of highly effective people and how it influenced me for, um, uh, my, my early, like my formative user experience mindset, it was, um, it was, it was just like remembering this other piece of the story. So I was doing the writing where, where, um, and, and just brainstorming the topics and somehow that one came out and stuck with me. I'm like, wait a minute, this is interesting. Seven habits in UX. And I thought, I, I think this is because it was, I think my early human centered, you know, systemic minded ex- exposure. And I never like in cat in when I describe my career or whatever, I, I'm like, this is surprising. There's, uh, because I always start the story of, of, you know, I started a game development company and whatever got led to web development, which led to, um, you know, just doing this stuff because there was so much demand in, in the, in the world. So I got a job in the, whatever I'm fast forwarding the story, but like I ended up, you know, working in the financial industry, being a web architect. And I went to this amazing seminar on human factors and it blew my mind. And I was super excited that I had such great criteria and whatever. And that was like, Oh, that's my, that's my metaphorical spider bite and where I became, you know, like, like started that, the, that UX path mm. in, in with clarity, right. Where it's like, I was already working toward it mm-hmm. and learning from a variety of sources, but like a little more hodgepodge, less focused. And, um, the, this, this, so there was an, this aha of like, wait a minute, seven habits, you know, do, doing things like, um, so the seven habits of highly effective people, if you've not encountered, this is a book written in 1989 by Stephen R. Covey. And it was a very influential, um, management philosophy thing that, especially through the nineties. And, um, I, I encountered it when I was, um, right when I was, you know, working on that, that startup and also being a manager, um, at that's my, my main job, um, uh, you know, paying the rent was I was a manager for a janitorial company and the, um, uh, so this book was exposing me to humans, like really pragmatic, useful humans, like problem solving things for, you know, being, uh, human centered and thinking of a bigger picture and being systemic minded and whatnot. And I had no idea like how influential it was till I was doing this reflection. So doing the writing, all this stuff is coming out and then it's comes out in the rough form and it's, it's um, it exists and it wasn't as lost as the, the assumptions article. It's like the essence was more there, especially when I start doing, well, here's a little, a little version of the story I just shared. And that's some context for further exploration. And I haven't published that article yet. I'm like about to publish it today, probably. Oh, wow. Breaking um, news. Yeah. And it, but it, then it goes into like, well, here's the, um, let's see, I don't know if I could, it's a little bit of a pain as far as sharing my screen, but, um, you know, the gist of the seven habits being, um, uh, there, there's, there's individual habits and then there's collective habits and then there's, um, I've got the, seven habits actually on screen right now. If you continuous want continuous improvement, final habit. Okay. All right. I've, I've got, I've got, went to their website and I've got it up on screen the seven habits of highly effective people. And it's got this, the seven habits go. listed right here. Be proactive, begin with the end in mind, put first things first, think win, win. Ah, so not scarcity mindset. Uh, exactly. Seek 
seek first to understand, then to be understood. And habit six, synergize. And habit seven, sharpen the saw. Yeah. yeah. So you got some, you got some jargon in there, but like overall, um, in the core ideas, mm-hmm. really useful stuff. And it was, um, I think it was very, very useful for me at the time and was like a positive influence for a certain way of looking at problems, a certain mm-hmm. way of engaging with um, uh, having a curiosity for um, understanding a bigger picture before, you know, um, recommending a, a solution to to anything and whatnot, right? It was so... So to me, it's, and then I find, found the other thread of, of this where it's like, this is from, not even from like the design community has like, you wouldn't see this book in the sections or um, in your searches related to UX. But what's interesting, I think it's highly re- related, highly relevant. So why not point out this idea also that like, there's a lot of nourishment to be found for your design practice in, you know, other domains. Mm. That's great. So, um, so you're, you're, you're talking about patterns of thinking and patterns of activity that lead to like signals to where, how to develop further. But I'm wondering if this is a good opportunity to take a break to start like to step back and talk about mental models now. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's that I think this, the, the basic survival mode of like getting through the process, this we've covered it. I, and I wanted to share enough context to be, you know, like this is the, the content that was explored and then refined through the mm-hmm. process. Yeah. And then, but yeah, that definitely there's, I, and if I were to some sum- metaphors and other stuff to look at for sure. And if I were to summarize what I'm also hearing is, is that you are not, not only doing digging into, um, you know, idea generation in terms of like, what am I interested in? What is like, you know, getting me, you know, emotionally motivated, but then you're digging back into your own past to say like, what kind of connections can I make with my own life experience to moments that resonated that stood out spider bite moments, moments where like something had additional clarity. What I wrote down was like, it was a things coming into focus. That was some language that you used, like things come into focus. What looking back in your life, what does this, topic connect in any way with points in my life where things came into focus okay well that's worth mining too um so but let's step back even further and talk about like 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 how does our mental model that we that, that we engage with uh the work and the world with uh inform this too so that's does that sound like i'm uh, teeing it up correctly uh, absolutely i mean there's a there are ways that we can uh we can hold uh, you know, metaphors and maps that get us, um, I think can get us through the process, honestly. Mm. That's great. Okay. And I'm, that sounds very appealing to me. Okay. So we'll come back in about a minute and 30 seconds to talk about that. But before we do that, we got to thank some people who make this show possible. Those people are the folks who support us on Patreon. Oh, Patreon, hit the button, Jersey. There we go. <laughs> Patreon.com slash lead into art is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you think that what we do is meaningful, if you believe in Rob and Jersey, want to help support what we do, make it more sustainable, you can contribute as little as a dollar a month. And uh, that helps, you know, the more people to do that, the more, you know, the more the show becomes a a sustainable project where Rob and I are compensated for our time that takes to make this thing. Uh, and you can also cancel at any cancel at any time. You can just like sign up for a month and avail yourself of all the stuff behind the scenes and then, you know, check out at the end of the month. Uh, but I want to thank five people who have been showing up on a regular basis to support us. 
First up, JS Taskus. Thank you, JS, for believing in us and what we do. You can find JS on Twitter at JS Taskus. And Brandon Dayton, longtime friend of the show, been on the show a couple times. You can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Dayton. He's been doing some really interesting blogging lately, people. You should check it out. Stephen Black. You can find Stephen Black on Twitter at Black's Sideshow. Two S's in the middle. Thank you, Stephen. It means a lot to us. And Becca Hilburn shows up time and time again. Thank you so much, Becca. We really appreciate appreciate the support. You can find Becca on uh, all social media at Natto Soup and Jodel's Pox. Thank you, Jodels. It means a lot to us. It's J Bob Artist on Twitter. You can join them all at patreon.com slash to Art, where you find all the shows we make as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. And those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe place with fellow leaners. Leanintoart.com slash, I mean, patreon.com slash leanintoart. Thank you. It means a lot to us. Hmm. I should probably add that URL too. So no, if someone went to leanintoart.com slash Patreon, why not just redirect it? Redirect it. Yes, that, that, that's, a, that's a reasonable thing to do. Okay, so... Let's get motivated for the second half of the show. Mental models. Mm. <laughs> so in this case, mental models. Punching castles. Punching castles. <laughs> With your mental models. So right. giant ape punching castles. All right. <laughs> so what do you mean by mental models, Rob? Um, okay. So little Wikipedia quote. Um, so a mental model is an explanation of someone's thought process about how something works in the real world. So it's your, it's your metaphor. It's, uh, I mean, our language is just imbued and infused all over the place with tons of metaphors we use subtly and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming that like, um, you know, change and challenge is painful. And we'd say like no pain, no gain when we're working out or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. the all sorts of brutal metaphors related to success of business, right? When you're killing, you're it, crushing, crushing it today. It. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're funny like that. Um, but I, I, you can actually. I don't know if this. Hopefully, this helps others. I, um, I feel a little more sane when I'm. Noticing that I can use this plausible way to describe what is happening with a project that when it began and when somewhere in the middle and now I'm getting closer to the end or I, you know, like how it happened. And it's, it's not, it's not always just linear and it's, you know, perfectly clean of this stage, that stage, that stage, but like overall that in general, it has a, um, a use, a utility to say like it, this progression and one that I've referred to a, a pile of times in our show is the, um, from the oddly named book, uh, a whack on the side of the head. Cause I mean, come on, do I need this violence to get creative? I don't know, but it's useful. <laughs> Thank you. Roger Van Oak, Oak, um, the explorer artist, judge and warrior. And that's, that's his mental model for creative process. So what are those four different things said by the world? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, please read, read, read it. Uh, so uh, what, what are the explorer artist judge and warrior do? Okay. Um, yeah, well, I was in, in, let's see, there's a, we have an article in the, in the show notes, but, um, ah, the, uh, yes, I, I'll pull it up on screen while we talk about it. Here we go. The four, the four roles you need to be, um, fully creative. 
Yeah, it's right. That's that's a different way of of relating information. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as prescriptive, but that's very that's very accepting okay. of a prescription, Rob. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So the explorer. Yeah. So the explorer is um, you're you're putting yourself in situations to be you know fed and connecting and learning from whatever in the world to feed to to get you ready for this project. Um. So there. Yeah. You can go into a lot of details as far as all these, but. Mm. Um, you know, just broad brush, you know, that's what the explorer is doing. The artist is, is clarifying and making some ideas out of it all and shaping it, Mm -hmm. um, expressing it. Right. And then the judge is, um, kind of the project. Um, let's see the like curator or editor, Mm -hmm. right. Mm Um, my articles, like, honestly, like, I, I perform the editorial role for, for Kate for when she does writing and she does for, for my writing. Um, yeah. So collaborative partner and my wife, uh, Kate Shield Stenzinger, and it helps a ton. So she, having an editor is wonderful. Um, and then the, uh, the warrior, um, the warrior is kind of like the project manager, uh, watching the clock, the calendar, making sure you, you know, if a barrier comes up, you get rid of that barrier, however, right? So, mm-hmm. um, there's a, uh, there's a lot of work that the, the warrior has as far as, you know, moving the project forward and getting it out into the world. So, and yeah, yeah. Market and sell your idea is one of the ways to develop your warrior, right? Yeah. Um, that's one of the skills listed on this article, which we'll link to in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's been a useful one. I like it. I, I find it's like, you know, you can, a creative project, it just doesn't poof into the world. Right. I mean, there's, it's, it's, there's a lot of effort, whatever you're doing, if it's, you know, if it's coding or writing or drawing or, you know, for single illustrations, or of course, um, you know, putting a lot of drawings together in the context of a comic, (laughs) So anyway, like it's having some kind of story to that is, is helpful for me. And, and that honestly, that's, that's the one I lean on a lot. That is the, is Roger Van Oaks book. And, uh, I like it, but I, but I kind of, I, I don't just use that, that, um, model. What kind of mental model do you use Jersey? Like, do you have like a story or metaphor for the well i mean the the thing the thing that i always come back to is i mean and this is ever since i was in my early 20s and it's i mean you know better than most that like i process a lot of my experiences and my uh, creative even the way i structure my creative work uh through metaphors of like that have been given to us through mythology right like there's like things that conjure a mental image like and I, I go back to an interview i did ages ago with the animator tom Cito, and he said when you think of the book moby dick do you think of call me ishmael one day when i was feeling so and so i went down to the sea or do you see ahab stabbing the heck out of that whale screaming his head off maybe you don't even know the exact words but you have the image he's like what storytellers are always looking for 
and I think this is what mythology does really well, is it conjures a mental mental picture that immediately and effectively uh, and effortlessly delivers a complex idea. And I think one of the reasons that's so appealing to me is because of my lifetime exploration of comics. Comics is really, that's what I'm always trying to do with comics, is can I create a single image in a panel that delivers lots and lots of complexity, but in a way that you don't see the complexity, you just receive it, right? Um, and so, like, things like, what do I mean? Um, the Arthurian myth of the Grail. The Grail appears, like, the, the Arthur sits down to have dinner with the knights, and he says, well, we, we don't eat until a, a, a miracle has happened or some kind of, like, fantastical thing has happened, right? So it's like, we can't progress on with our day-to-day sustaining ourselves until something um, marvelous, inspiring, or life-changing occurs, right? We wait for this every day. We look for it every day. And then and then the grail appears, and, and, and from there, all dazzled, there's this marvelous, miraculous thing that they have to go and quest. And one of the knights, I forget which one, says, I propose we go off in quest of this thing. And each of us, or, and they thought it would be shameful to go forth in a group, each knight went into the forest adventurous uh, at a point of their choosing where it was darkest and there was no way or path because where there's a path, it's someone else's path. In other words, the treasure you seek has to be absolutely idiosyncratic to you. And if you go on somebody else's path, well, that treasure's already been got. <laughs> there's no treasure there. It looks like it's easier because there's a path there. So like, you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's a simple story, but it so my mental map is always based on this kind of idea of like I have a thousand examples that I can, you know, sort of lean toward that help me um, engage with creative processes, right, um, and creative projects. Um, so, so when I'm hitting those parts where I'm stuck, um, I try to remind myself. Well, it's like it's like I try to remind myself that um, the real growth of the creative project and myself depends on a moment that they call in storytelling the dark night of the soul. And it sucks. Dark night of the soul is like the worst thing in the world to experience emotionally. You feel alone. You feel worthless. You you have like this wonderful, eloquent narrator in your head who has every reason why you are a failure and you should give up. And then your whether or not you have that warrior instinct and, and, and push through um, d- determines on whether or not the project is completed and you get to grow a little bit more as an artist. So yeah, my mental model is much more based on that kind of like poetic and uh, hmm. um, very visual kind of imagery for better or worse. You know, I mean, uh, this, this is, this has definitely had an effect on how my friendships play out is <laughs> whether or not you can sit with that, whether or not you're okay with sitting with that and hearing about that again and again, determines whether or not we're going to have a long and enduring friendship. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is i i didn't expect that angle but i gotta say it's fresh every time jersey so this is fun um <laughs> um the <sighs> that where there's a path holy crap do you really do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh. like so i was i just posted a fabulous secrets episode to my patreon because like i do this transformers podcast which we'll talk about in a minute and it was me sort of evaluating this two-parter where optimus prime gets like reverted to his pre-optimus prime state and he's like the younger version of himself where he was a librarian and um and i it led me down this path though there's a scene where he's and this isn't in those particular episodes but he's dying He's, he's literally, he's like, he's on his deathbed and like he, his chest opens up and there's this thing called the matrix in there, which gets passed on to the next leader. There's a young Autobot next to him who says like, dude, 
I'm honored that you're offering this to me, but I'm not ready for this responsibility. And Optimus turns to him and says, you know, this, the choice is neither yours nor mine to make. And like when, and my brain is kind of funny where like when I hear something like that and I receive something from something like that, it just, it's, it's imprinted and I can conjure it in any given time when I'm feeling like really, really, you know, downtrodden or frustrated or sad or scared. Um, or confused about a project, you know, um, like when I'm at that point where it's like, this is no good and I'm no good. Well, okay, well, time to step back. This is part of that experience of engaging with something. So yes, that's how I, that is the mental, that is a mental model that I rely on heavily in order to get me through these things. And I, you know, again, better or worse. Um, it's, it's not, it's not applicable to any, any person, right? I can't prescribe it. Oh, I don't know about that. You, this, so, uh, let's see. So to me, this would be, uh, so your, your prescriptive blog post might be something along the lines of, um, the, oh, the, 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 the five heroic truths of getting <laughs> past any creative encounter or difficulty. So well, there you go. That, that, that's some good editing. Yes. Yes. The heroic so, truths. And I would point to like it's five different things. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. It's like you have encounters. You have these, it's like your, your, you know, your, your default state is, is some kind of creative adventure and then stuff happens. Stuff goes sideways. Something causes mm-hmm. the conflict and you have um, the, your, your storytelling vocabulary and um, sense of um, like meaning making, right? Mm-hmm. And that that delves into the mythology and, and says, well, this is, you know, how, uh, this is how Arthur would deal with this. This is how prime would deal with this is et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And, and not, not to say like, Oh, I'm going to be more like King Arthur today. Uh, but more like, this is a story that has, that has a lot of resilience. It's been handed down and refined by a lot of people because there's something about it that speaks to something essential about the, the human experience. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Let's look at it carefully, and maybe I can use this as a um, barometer or measurement tool or um, judgment tool to help me evaluate what I'm actually experiencing in the moment. Because when I'm in the moment, um, when I'm swept up in it, when you're swept up in any kind of emotion, of a challenging emotion, um, you're not thinking clearly. At least I'm not. And so then that's I, when, when you talk about like these, these mental models, like that's what I think of them as being useful for is when you're lost and you're confused or feeling some kind of big emotion that you're swept up in about the project. Okay, step back. What's, what, what is the scaffolding that I can rely on to help like realign me to this thing? I think I, uh, we have just, I think we have different language to describe a similar circumstance because the, um, like I, and I'm not depending on, I'm, I'm almost, de- I like your source material. I, and, and I, I want to uh, think about how that can affect my, my process going forward because I mean, it's, I mean, it's just a lot more compelling, a lot more energetic and, <laughs> and um, uh, it's, it's, well, and it, it's imbued with story meaning, right. Which is awesome. Cause for me, I go to like, I, I'm, I, I look at the woods and I, I, I'm, and if I'm, if I'm really, I'm like, I don't know, do I want to go in or whatever? Where am I at? And I go back into some, uh, a, a mental model style, philosophical, general map of the world and my, you know, where I feel like I am in it or whatever. Right. So I start 
drawing and thinking, right? So I have a, I have a, um, a, a drawing I did on my, uh, my whiteboard that I think you used for the show art. I did. I'll pull it up. And uh, I use this to just sort of, just kind of talk myself into saying like, yeah, it's okay to be stuck here, but keep going. Right. And, um, and I called the, I started the, this, this um, thinking exercise as the resistance of refinement. And because uh, yeah, it's almost like the, the commitments are deeper, the stakes are higher. I'm further into the story of, of making this exact, this particular project. And it's, it's easier to have everything I've done be a waste or um, to fall off and, 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 you know, to just, maybe it's not worthy of the process and it should be abandoned. And that's the end of the story. Or maybe it's time to, to, to dig in and chances are there's something worth finishing. And I, and so, so I, I just started to explore that. I'm like, well, what's my deal? You know, in a way I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I know I like this other stuff earlier in the process and this later stuff I resist, but it's not like I'd have no experience with it. So what do I, what do I know? That's a good idea with this whole thing. And, um, okay. Now that, and, and just sort of thinking it through, it's kind of like talking myself off of, um, being worried about what to do next in a way and just accepting it and saying, you know, it's okay. I have this resistance. I've encountered it many times. I used to encounter it. Um, one of the, my favorite things about like one of the mental, um, one of the creative experiences that's become a mental model for me is creating comics. And when I was making a web comic on a regular basis, Art Geek Zoo, because I would go through this emotional arc every single page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it just, it was like, being burned by the same fire over and over and over <laughs> and, and, and just saying like, well, at some point I got to blame me, the fire. It's not the fire's <laughs> fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. But th that's the amazing thing about it. Right. Is that like that fire will always burn. It's oh, you're always going to get burnt when you engage with that kind of thing. And, and I mean, maybe that's a harsh metaphor, but I mean, there's going to be a part of the creative endeavor where you don't, where things are ambiguous and maybe for whatever reason, maybe it's because of some kind of um, insecurities you have about yourself as an artist. Maybe it's the pressure of the deadline. Maybe it's uh, an internal pressure of like, I need to get this done by this particular time, you know, um, Maybe it's because you're thinking about external factors like, is the world even going to want this thing? But there's lots and lots of reasons that can creep in when ambiguity sets in to say like, hey, guess what? You are a failure after all. Every project, every project I engage with that 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 voice in my head, right? Um, it, we've, we've, ding, 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 we've arrived. We're at the part where you find out you're a fraud. Um, and and I, I talk to, you know, so many creative people and everybody reports, yeah, 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 yeah. That doesn't go away. That's just, that's part of the deal. Um and like you'd think, because like we learned from experience that like, well, certainly at some point I'm going to develop the resilience so that it doesn't feel that way, right? Certainly I'm going to grow enough. And I think as far as I've encountered, I've only been doing this like 25 years or so, so I can't, you know, I'm not super, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself what they call wise yet, but it feels like it's, I wouldn't call it that, it, uh, I would call it resilience in the sense that I can endure it. I still experience it and it still sucks. But I know, I have the context to know that, yeah, I'm in that part of it. And if I just continue, I will find the shape that this thing needs to be. 
you know? That's it. It's like, so what story do you need to tell yourself to just continue? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I think I, I think a little, it'd be a little more, uh, spice if I, if I threw in like, uh, like a giant ape punching castles metaphor or, Well, that's just that you do have those and you have expressed them on the show and personally to me in the past is like the the summary that you gave for Dragon Ball Z is like, let's try to become as strong as possible together. Right. There's like an ethos that is imbued in that story that you, you know, that resonates with you. But are there like specific pieces, right, or specific aspects that so like one thing that I lean on a lot and this is going to sound silly, but I don't care. I mean, it's this is who I am and (laughs) you're 305 episodes in. Um is it is the the whole secret identity thing, which in in like things like Superman and He Man, which are profoundly and irrefutably silly. I put glasses on; people don't know who I am. Come on, it's ridiculous. Uh, Adam looks just like He Man, but he's less tan and he wears a salmon vest. Right? It's it's ridiculous, but that's not the point. The point is is that they're showing that there's a time for to be optimized and there's a time to not be optimized, and they're equally valuable. Right? It's not that Adam has to protect his identity because Skeletor will kill his parents. He's already trying to kill his parents. That is nonsense. What it's showing is that there's a time to be a fool and there's a time to make mistakes and there's a time to screw up and there's a time to be at your very best. And if you're always at your very best, you are no longer human. You, you, and like this is a narrative I tell myself, right? It's like when I screw up really bad or when I fail, like the time when I was doing a talk and I thanked the wrong institution and 500 people, including the fire chief and the mayor, booed me. <laughs> you know and then and then 75 people shook my hand afterwards they're like that was a great talk too bad about that thing you said at the top though you know it's like i I think like oh that was the time for me to be adam you know and i love adam i love prince adam and 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 then there's other times that's such a painful story (laughs) and it's a fun story it's a great story it's it's in the moment it was it was humiliating i mean like the real sense of the word humiliating i felt two inches tall and then like i I leaned right into i'm like but i'm gonna turn them around and at the end of the story it's like i kind of did but they didn't forget that i did the wrong thing you know and they all wanted to remind me of it so but (sighs) yeah it's like so anyway like yes my, my that is my i have a whole vat of those things that i go to um to help me find that little bit of extra momentum to keep going. And it's not as I found little utility in the whole like muscle through. You'll be stronger at the end. It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the guy I, I meet on the other side. I'm betting he's going to be a little bit more subtle, more nuanced, and more careful. You know, um, I, like the, the other one like, I found recently for language is um, when Obi-Wan Kenobi uses the Jedi mind trick in episode four, he goes like this. It's just like a little quick flick of the wrist. But when Ray does it, who's younger or less experienced, she uses her arm <laughs> to use the Jedi mind trick. Uh-huh. I'm like, ah, oh, see, I want to go from moving my whole arm to just flicking my wrist to get the, like that extra level of, of, of subtlety. And expertise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's the, what, a, what a neat metaphor. So this whole thing. So when you, what do you, what do you say? Like, what a weird thing to sell that, it's going to be difficult and painful forever. See ya. Um, it, but at the same time, I mean, um, like, I mean, being honest with the, with how the, it doesn't, it doesn't, that's not what makes the process meaningful. Um, that's, 
um, some it, aspect and flavor of that is going to be present. Maybe not on every project. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe the like how you relate to it or how you even see it. it it's like that can totally change over time. But like the like go, doing this process of bringing a thing into the world and and making it be what it needs to be that you believe in and serve the purpose or your audience or your expression or whatever you know is your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that work overall, we didn't do science to come to this impression, but like, we know lots of artists, we're artists, what I, and the, it's, there's a, a pretty under, well, it's pretty common difficulty for it. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, well, how are you going to deal with it? And that kind of thing. And that's where I, like, I, I feel I get, I gain acceptance and strength from the mental model stuff of like, okay, I've, I've got a map and mm-hmm. And, and also I'm remembering I've, I've been here before and I, and it's, it's okay that it hurts again, I guess. Um, because, um, well, there's reframing. I'm we still can, learning. Uh, mental know? models also offer us the opportunity to, to reframe in the sense that, um, am I hurting or am I engaging with something that's interesting? Right. Um, that's a good point too. Right. So gosh, it's so harsh. It's easy to go harsh and it is, um, it, well, it, it is harsh. Metaphors. It, 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 I mean, it, it, those are big feelings, you know, but like, I, I also try to remind myself and my students that like, yeah, you know what? It's a guarantee of a life of a lot of ambiguity and frustration as life offers you, <laughs> but you live in interesting times and all that. And, and to that end is, or to that point, I, I say like, well, are you engaged with something that's going to be difficult and ambigu- ambiguous your whole life? Or are you going to have like a, a life filled with interesting challenges over and over and over again? That's never going to get dull, you know? So Anyway, excellent, excellent point. Um, I think we've, we, we did plenty of, plenty of thinking about mental models and, okay. and some non-prescriptive food for thought where oh, good. I'm, I think our fellow leaners would, would, you know, maybe find something useful there or just maybe just it's, it's re- really, how do you explain to yourself your overall process? And when you get stuck, it's, it can help if you don't just disappear inside of yourself, but it, but it has a greater context, right? And the, uh, I th- and I think that's where we get some of the some of the the, the common, you know, muscle up language, whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, but there's other things too, like um, uh, just like the, this this interesting hats that you know Roger Van. Oh, throws out there it's mm-hmm. anyway um and it, it's and it's individual and it's an interesting that like i think we describe such a similar circumstance but way different strategies in in um in just getting through it i and think that's good yeah. improve like yeah i mean it's anyway we're, 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 we're providing evidence that there's no prescription at least by our reckoning because we have such different ways of doing it right um, yeah you can't just apply this medicine to the thing, but here's a couple of options that work for us and ways we think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yes. Like the, 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 the four roles that Van Eck or Van Oak uh, provides gives you a, a way of like thinking about like different, like sort of mindsets to approach. Like when I, I'm engaging with ambiguity, well, what mode should I be in right now? Let's try it from the explorer mode. Let's try it from the judge mode. Let's try it from the warrior mode. 
and maybe one of these different like sorts of like frameworks or worldviews or points of view will help me understand what is actually at work here. So it's it, right because and that's the thing that where it's um there's this other book uh the six thinking hats by edward de bono and it's um it has some 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 okay framings too right um the and and it it really resonates with what you just described in that uh like functional tools for your creative process are things that can just coexist with however you're feeling whether you're, if you're feeling feeling invulnerable and you can solve anything or if you're feeling highly vulnerable and or 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 anything in between there's there's a tool to, that can help you with wherever you're at in getting that thing are you working on are you are you working on the right thing and where is it at and mm-hmm. how far along uh different tools help you at it, it, it making that come into existence uh if you and this is a thing, another lean into our point is that, I mean, especially if you are a independent creator, you're going to be needing to switch between a lot of tools mm-hmm. to make your thing come into the world. So yeah. um, if you're on a larger team, then maybe you can have a little extra specialization. Yeah. That's great too. All right. Well, um, do you think that we're at a point where we should take a break and then come back for the two-minute practice this week? Yes, I think we are. All right. So, okay, everybody, how about in about two minutes we come back and we'll conclude with our thinking about what two-minute practice we're going to try. Well, we're going to reflect on last week's two-minute practice and look at what we might try this coming week. But before we do that, we've got to thank a few more people who make this show possible. And those people happen to be us. We make the show possible. And we make lots of interesting things. And then our engagement with those things informs our thinking that generates these topics that we come to every week. And the thing that I make that I hope you will check out is another podcast I do called the Four Million Years Later Podcast. I make it with a friend of mine named Hoover. And it's a podcast where it's it's a little different than Lean Into Art, although it's informed by the same kind of thinking. We watch an episode of the Generation One Transformers cartoon, and then we convene to sort of evaluate, judge, think about, to pick apart, dissect, and celebrate what we saw. Um, and it's been a fascinating journey for me as somebody who's been talking about this on the phone with my buddy Hoover for 25 years. We're recording it now with the express purpose of making it transmissible to an audience. And so we're thinking about it harder than we've ever thought about it before. And I'm discovering feelings about this show and evaluations of the show and points of view in the show that I never considered before. So I'm learning as I go along. And um, we just dropped episode 12, The Ultimate Doom Part 2. So we're almost done with season one. Um, but you can go back and listen to like all the way back to episode zero to get like a sense of what our purpose is, purpose is behind the thing. But um, the one I would point you at would probably be um, episode eight. No, episode seven, Fire in the Sky, which is our longest episode. And in that one, I go very, very deep into analyzing the the, the tropes and symbology and, and implied meaning behind the character of Skyfire. I think you listened to that one, Rob, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have listened to yeah pretty much everything. I think I'm caught up. And oh wow! It, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a great show because it, it's super funny. I'm listening to this book. Um, what save the cat writes a novel, mm. and it, this the four million years later podcast. It's almost like you're doing this scene by scene or almost line by line in scene by scene analysis, and um, 
So it's a combination of recalling sometimes, and but but in high detail, all these different interactions, all these different like potential things you can observe and and talk about choices in the creative process and in the storytelling and the the meanings and the characters and the effect on you and that's like there's you now and you as a kid i mean there's all these layers it's really interesting storytelling analysis oh thanks man so that's at four million years later.com or just look in your favorite podcatcher you will find it so rob you mentioned at the top of the episode that you do coaching and teaching i do what does that mean yeah so Let's see. I I do online workshops and I also do sort of one-on-one sessions to um, help people think through things you're working on, products you're making, career choices, that kind of thing. So for my coaching, you can go and, you know, uh, reach out to me through this easy URL, robcoach.me. Check that out. I, um, yep. I I do have some session availability. Just, um, you know, reach out to me through the contact form on the site and we will, you know, get something planned. You can, we can do a free discovery session. So that'll be just like 30 minutes of um, some initial uh, unpacking and intention and and understanding like what could coaching uh, do for you. And that's, I mean, it's a lot like bringing in um, like a brain trust and there's a variety of ways to, to make use of that. So um, I do that at robcoach.me. Uh, Kate, my business partner and, and uh, life partner, um, is at mycoachkate.com. So we both do a similar style of coaching, similar kinds of things. Kate's more about the like leadership and a little bit of, of related to like even uh, creative couples, stuff like that. Mm. I, I know um, we have some some leaner uh, leaners who are in relationships with create like they have a partner who's also like a creative partner. And so that would be uh, mycoachkate.com. Is that what it was again? Yeah, mycoachkate.com. Right. And I'll just quick mention, we also do a podcast together. It's called mm. Art and Science Punks. Just search for Art and Science Punks in your in your favorite podcatcher or uh, you can go to uh, what artsciencepunks.fireside.fm. Fireside.fm. That fireside fm i want to capture that because you guys just dropped an episode that was a pretty intense one um yeah yeah there's i i I don't know if i want to say like no spoilers or anything but like it's the episode is called uh heart and it's it's a fascinating journey talking about how technology health family and managing emotions in um some really big challenges yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kate had a pretty big uh, health event um, in the last few months. And it was one of those things where your, you know, her Apple Watch caught that she was having, um, I, I don't, let's see, what, atrial fib- fibrillation? And that's when basically part of your heart is supposed to be running the electronic show, but then other parts try to, you know, add more heartbeats and stuff. So it leads to, you know, a variety of things. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, very thankful that we found out, you know, found it out. And yeah, she recently had surgery and is recovering really great. So uh, technology is freaking amazing. And yeah, we share that story on Art and Science Punks. And then one last thing, if you, uh, you know, if you enjoy this show and what we do, you can check out the Lean Into Art Discord. There'll be a link in the show notes. We have a forum now where you can interact with us between shows, 
comment on past episodes, uh, suggest ideas for future episodes, share your challenges, your quests, and your two-minute practices, which is what we're going to talk about right now. It is time for the two-minute practice, a weekly session where we challenge ourselves to engage with a inexpensive amount of, of, of learning, leveling up, uh, whittling on the microscopic level. Two minutes of practice to to see what 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 accrues. So, hey, Rob. Hey, Jersey. So, what um, what did we practice recently? As I remember, the last challenge was to make some music or noise for two minutes during the day, mm-hmm. and you did. I did. Yeah, I did a fair amount of it. It's. It was. I mean, it was a. I guess one thing about the the two minutes. It's so cheap. It's like. I can do this. I can just interrupt pretty much anything I'm doing anytime and find the two minutes. It's uh, it's wild how f- quick it goes. But like when you're in that, in the moment, it can feel like a long time. And so, you know, like for instance, you know, picking up a guitar. Um, and what, what I ended up doing was uh, I, I played guitar for a few, uh, a few of the different days. I, you know, played ukulele, I played drums. I just, it was just this playful excuse to just like, all right, go pick up an instrument and make some noise. And uh, one of the things I had a little, I had the most fun because I think getting a little bit of signal of, um, oh, there's, maybe there's something here. Um, I could play with this more if I revisited it, right? was reminding me of some of the things of um and techniques of using my guitar to trigger my midi setup mm. um i happen to have what is, it's the it's uh it's an older thing but the the roland g5 midi pickup and the and the the g22 effects pedal so it's like i can play a synth through my guitar <laughs> mm. and it's just fun like it, it's, the instruments are really varied and and yet you can um trigger them in ways that have a a a neat feel to them where the um and and it was nice to just sort of get back and play with that again because i only typically you know dig out these tools when it's like well it's part of this project and making a theme song for a podcast or this game background or what a video you know some under you know sound you know sound background thing or whatever i mean it's always this project work thing and so like just playing with it was a was a blast Mm. so your overall reflection on this was like a lot of positivity and reconnecting with the playful aspect of making music um sure like some some of it it's not let's see i i wish all of them like oh it'd be neat if I had like seven, two minute songs now or seven, you know, maybe yeah, yeah, songs. Yeah. Like, part of me does wish that like even more could come out of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it was, uh, the, this it was is important. Fun. This is important to underline for, from my perspective, at least is that <laughs> there is, it is so easy to get swept up and caught up in this idea of what can be measured. You know, like th- this happens in education all the time. Like if you can't measure it, it didn't happen. Ah, I don't know. I teach. And there's a lot of things you can't measure that are like profound that, that like you won't know for sure until years from now how that pays off, you know, and, and or maybe it doesn't need to. 
Maybe it doesn't need to. Maybe this is like a quality of life thing that we're just having for a moment here, right? But like, and, and I am super, super guilty of this. We've talked about this when I do like uh, creative challenge uh, season in October. I always try to find a way to hack the game to make a product out of it or do some kind of product development or research. Um, one thing I'm grateful Which for. is awesome. Yeah. And I'm fully converted and by believing <laughs> that. So let's not you know, disparage that approach. It's, it's brilliant times money. And, and you found a very pragmatic way to get engaged with creative challenges as a trigger to get your product development process going. Sure. And, really and smart. yeah, and I'm, I am not, I don't mean to disparage that either. It's, it's, it's very valuable, but one of the things that I'm finding value in with the two minute practice is that it's a, because the constraint of it, because it's, it's so inexpensive, it means I could do it any given time. I don't have to do any special prep. I'm going to put an asterisk on that for this week's challenge. Um, but it, it reminds me that, you know, there's, there's a, um, there's a quality of life aspect of this. There's like, there's going to be unmeasurable. There, there's, there's a reason to practice without the promise of measurable success. Right. Um, recently, very recently, I was talking about Natalie Goldberg's writing down the bones. She talks about writing practice and the writing practice is only supposed to be for you. You know, there may be stuff to mine in there. Maybe not. But it's it's there for you, you know. Um, so when I think about what engaging with this particular the the practice we agreed to this week, I ran into friction in that if you look behind Rob on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube um, in the Lean Into Art Cast episode three o three o five, there's guitars back there. <laughs> They're just there, right for the plucking, you know. Um, <laughs> pardon the expression. Um, but like, while Ann and I have a bunch of, uh, musical instruments, we're in this apartment while we're looking for a home and like a lot of them are packed away. And so suddenly this friction point came in of like, Oh, it's time for the two minute practice. Oh, I've got a keyboard. Oh, it's buried in that closet. Oh, I've got an accordion. Oh, it's buried under that desk and it's in a case, you know, and Oh, there's a, there's a cello over there. Um, but it's, Oh, it's, it's, it's not strung right. Cause we haven't like retuned it since we got it back from, you know, the movers. So I was like, okay, well, what can I do? You know, I can do some drumming. I can do some humming. I can do things like that. And which was cool because like I instantly went to two minute practice. Maybe I'll be able to like find the instrument that I resonate with and I'll know which one because I'd really like to learn a musical instrument. And I'm like, maybe I'll find the one in this particular week that like speaks to me and I'll be able to like start to explore that a little bit more deeply afterwards. So again, I'm thinking about like some kind of purpose, but because I limited myself to like, nope, I don't have time to unpack and repack a thing for a two minute practice. I don't just have it hanging on a wall. I'm just going to make some noise with, I'm going to hum, I'm going to drum with my fingers and just for two minutes at a go. So it was one of those things where it was made more explicit to me that I'm not doing this for any purpose other than to just engage with a focused activity for two minutes and move on. Right. And that kind of to quote Kate, your partner, purposeful pause, I think that's the value I got out of it this week. And that's the one I continue to get out of it is it's, it's this purposeful break that is inexpensive and it disengages me from that whole notion of trying to hunt, right? Um, it's so f- interesting that um, there's a, you can be really prepared to to engage in certain things and it's it's i've i use that convenience to to just i'm more prepared to make musical noise than than i sometimes than i appreciate i think um it's something that i will i will use 
making music as a as a way to take a break. It's not like I only touch you know uh, any instrument to just um, fulfill a need on a project because I don't have that many of those projects. It comes up every few months, but like uh, the, what you point out is certain practice, the, whatever you pick to practice may have uh, an extra cost to it that, that it's worth it. It's really worth acknowledging and um, it, that can make it harder. So if, if you, I mean, if you're picking a practice that has a, like a, a setup teardown cost, I mean, maybe it's worth, um, you know, thinking about that as far as your, your week ahead. So yes. could you have an instrument just sitting out for uh, a few extra days? Yep. And that, that, that is definitely a takeaway. Yeah. Uh, like if I were to say like, oh, I'm going to do a two minute watercolor every day. Well, now I'm going to make sure my watercolors are set up on the desk within arm's reach all week long. It's only a week, right? It's not that big of a deal to like change my setup for a week. Um, but yeah. Yep. And I, I mean, I for sure, I think I've done that subtly every with most of the practices is okay. I've, I've put stuff out so I could get to it quickly. Like the one where I was doing the, um, the large drawings every day where it's like, I don't have a giant pad of paper, just ease. I, I have to unpack some things to, to have the, um, the acrylic inks, the brushes, all that stuff. Right. And also we're in acknowledging that it, this will cost a little bit more than two minutes because I can't just leave the brushes all full of the material and whatnot. I need to do a cleanup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of thing. But so, um, yeah, a lot of interesting uh, ins and outs to this. Where are you? So, what do you? Th- hmm. Is there is the is there a subtle cost that we're finding to the two minute practice that's more than depending on the practice, right? I, I I think I think that I think you've very clearly pointed out that some practices will require a little bit of setup. Like for instance, one of the uh, one of our very first practices, we challenged ourselves and. Uh, the leaners to sort of um, brainstorm what the two minute practice could be. Think for two minutes on what you could practice for two minutes. And some of the ideas were extraordinarily simple, doing a two minute plank, right? Mm -hmm. All you need is a clear space on the floor for that. So there's going to be some that have like zero setup costs. Like in one week we did, um, uh, I I did drawing a and d creature, you know, on a sticky note. And there's always, always some sticky notes sitting on my desk. So there was zero cost to that. There's always a pen. There's always sticky note nearby. So I can get to that really quickly. But some, like, for instance, depending on, like, you know, a uh, musical instrument one or a watercolor one, something where there's, like, specialized equipment that you're going to use, there's going to be, like, some friction with, like, just making sure that it's available every day that week, which I don't think is, like, a huge yeah. cost. Good point. Like, yeah, I, I've... I think it's good to acknowledge. And mm-hmm. I, I've, I've found that I just sort of, you know, worked around having this extra stuff in my space and yeah. you know, it, leaving my guitars set up and whatnot. Um, dealing with, Oh, well, oops, I can't play guitar. I have active pickups. I need to uh, replace the nine volt battery before I can actually do my two minute practice. I mean, Oh, okay. That's fine. That's just another quick minute or two. Okay. Mm-hmm. still affordable time-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a couple weeks. Uh, I, I did, I did actually do a second practice too. Ah, cause yes, we are we're recording this one a little later than we usually do. So what'd you do for your second practice? Uh, I did the mini workouts. Um, mm. I, I just, I rotated through plank and push-ups, sit-ups and pull-ups. 
So I have one of those uh, pull-up bars that clamps on a doorway, right? And so I, I just left that up. And hmm. that was a case of something being in the way, but eh, it's not, not too big of a deal. And uh, then, you yeah, know, for two minutes. And, uh, and uh, that one worked out okay overall. And it's just like, so, but strenuous workout activity, it's, it's better to do warm up and stretching and all that stuff. And, and I'd had a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a tight back one evening because of the, because of that darn two minute plank. So. <laughs> uh, so what are we thinking about doing for next week? You mentioned meditation. Yeah. So thinking about that two minutes of yeah. meditation mm-hmm. that that's, that is inexpensive. Right. Uh, and I think when you talk about purposeful pauses, Oh man, being able to like, just like stop yourself for two minutes and just, just focus, just focus on breathing. I don't think there's enough time to really like lose your train of thought on that. Um, well, maybe there is actually depending on how fast your brain works, but, um, <laughs> it's always, yeah. Sitting still is always, yeah, it we'll see, we'll see how it feels in the beginning and, and as it, as it happens throughout the week. I think that's great. Okay. So let's commit to that. So, um, for, th- for this week's two minute practice, we're going to sit still and focus on our breathing for two minutes every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, optional to share your results on the lean into art discord um you know if, if you'd like to share we'd love to hear about your experiences uh and you can also share with us on our social feeds and uh you know you don't have to pick this particular practice there's lots of different options to choose from um any other thoughts you have on that rob uh, yeah, we're working on expanding the uh, leanintoart.com slash two minute practice. So this segment of the show is becoming its own, also its own show. And that's, that's handy for reference and handy just sort of to, to play along and emphasize that, uh, that we're, we're trying to make it easy to play along. And this is a resource. So you, you can always uh, mine this for ideas. And also, more, we'll, we'll be actually posting lists of things, almost like how some podcasts that do picks will like post their list of picks or what have you. Um, so hopefully we'll get an accruing, interesting list of practices and, uh, re- yeah, reach out to us, use the comment form on lean and lean into art or, or, um, just reach out to us on Twitter or whatnot with ideas for what do you want to try and learn experience in two minutes? Great. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Jersey. Okay. I think, did we do a podcast? I'm pretty sure we did. Okay. I think we did a couple podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for this discussion, Rob. Uh, we record the show weekly, usually on Thursdays at noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central. And we stream it live at twitch.tv slash lean into art and then collect it as a podcast at lean and patreon.com slash lean into art. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, I have been Jersey Drozd of lean into and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com. And I'm Rob Stenzinger, places like Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart. And you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.